Fantasy Football Insiders Lock Radio. Can't stop, won't stop. You know how we do it. Fantasy Football Insiders crew back at it again. Can't stop, won't stop. Taking you around the league with the deep, deep, deep sleepers. And if you listen to our last show, then you already know we went digging in like the ninth, tenth draw. Well, today we got the double decker. I got 20 draws on my dresser, making room on the top shelf for the trophies. Woo! You know how we do it. It's a brand new edition brought to you by the NUC NFL Draft Bible. Check us out, brand new NFLDraftBible.com. Appreciate all your support of the show. If you listen to us, you know we did the NFL Draft Show yesterday, defensive line previews. Today, we're doing the fantasy football show. Breaking it down, if you want to be arch nemesis number one, then this is the show for you. And uh, to do that here, we got the regular gurus in the house. First in, we welcome Joe Everett, never leaving a stone unturned on the draft side, but uh, also on the fantasy football perspective, dropping some gems on him. How are we doing today, Joseph? Doing great. I'm ready to crack open the vault for the super, super duper sleepers. Super duper sleepers is no stranger to the good Reverend Ralph Mancini, always preaching the gospel here at the NFL Draft Bible. Hit him with a hoo-ha, Rev. Hey, Joe Everett, Rick Saratella, this is my type of party. Let's get it on. Woofa! Let's break it down for you. Before we do, real quick, if you are new to the show, you like what you hear, please click subscribe. We're trying to build up our subscribers and appreciate all your support. If you can support the show, go to nucgold.com. Check us out right there. Sign up for a monthly or annual membership. You can get a 20% discount right now with my promo code, RIC2015. Save 20%. We appreciate all your love and support of the show. And watch out for allaccess.tv. It's going to be a new 24-7, 365 football network for you. Video, audio, 24-7, 365 programming. You just might be listening to this show right now on allaccess.tv. All right, fellas. Uh, you know, we did a show last week and received a lot of uh, feedback, good and bad. And, uh, you know, the Reverend Ralph Mancini didn't join us. We had uh, Joe Everett and myself break down some of our deep sleepers. And, you know, in the past week, I personally have gotten to take part in a couple other drafts and have some guys that I failed to mention on the last show. And, uh, you know, that's what we do here. We break it down and give you the guys you need to know. We're going right to the uh, mid-late round value, guys, because that's where you earn your money. And I don't know about you guys, but when I look at my list, uh, it looks like the wide receiver position is really where you can make some good money in the middle to late rounds. So what we'll do is we'll go quarterbacks and then we'll get tight ends out of the way. And then because I think the uh, main topic of conversation here is with wide receivers, we'll save them for last and try to get in as many as we can. And, you know, let's start off with that quarterback position. And I know there's not really too many deep sleepers because we really know what a lot of these guys bring to the table. I have a couple guys that I think might exceed expectations. But before we do, you know, the good reverend sending me a little hate mail about last show. I know you got some beef with one of the quarterbacks that I like. Yeah, I mean, overall, I, I liked both of your choices, uh, Joe and Rick. However, I, I have to take issue with Alex Smith. I mean, look, in reality, in real life, he's a decent quarterback. I mean, 
he dinks and dunks his way down the field. He's a good game manager, all of that. You can win ball games with Alex Smith, and he can take you to the playoffs. But in fantasy football, you need playmakers. You need guys that are going to throw the ball into tight windows, throw the ball down the field. And I don't see that in Alex Smith. He's a safe quarterback, but safety doesn't get you anything in fantasy football. Sometimes you have to roll the dice. You have to go with the guys with big upside. And Alex Smith just doesn't give me enough upside. Uh, he, uh, you know, he, he takes the safe route. He uh, hits the uh, the checkoff guy uh, more times than not. And even when he when he does have an open receiver downfield, he seems hesitant to pull the trigger. So uh, I just don't see enough in Alex Smith to make him a fantasy asset. I think at best he's a bye week fill in. But as a starter, I, I just uh, I can't buy into Alex Smith. Well, let me defend myself on this one because I just you know recent draft, <laughs> I have I have Tom Brady and then I plugged in Alex Smith and Nick Foles to get me through the first four weeks. Two guys who I think will exceed expectations. And hear me out right now. Yeah, Alex Smith didn't go down the field because who <laughs> what playmakers were on the team? Dwayne Bow. I mean, what is that guy doing? Now, you know, you brought in Jeremy Macklin, who knows Andy Reid's offense. You have uh, drafted Chris Conley, one of the most athletic freaks coming out of the draft, to help stretch the field on the opposite side. Travis Kelsey emerged as a big-time playmaker last year. You got the Anthony Thomas another year under the belt with him in the slot. And then Jason Avant also coming over, who knows the Andy Reid offense, with Jamal Charles, Niall Davis, dinking and dunking out of the backfield. So... I really like the upside here in Alex Smith, and I think that considering I can get him for a dollar in an auction league, I can get him with my last pick in the fantasy football draft, I think there's a lot to like. I think there's a lot of upside. And, Joe, tell me if I'm wrong. Andy Reid's going to take Alex Smith aside, smack him around a little bit, get his gear together. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, in theory, yeah, it's definitely going to be an improved season just because of Macklin's presence. If you get 16 games out of him, I would think that'll cure those horrible wide receiver stats that they had. But still at the end, I've got to side with Rev as far as quarterbacks I could get in that Alex Smith region. You know, I'd rather like roll the dice on Carr maybe. I'd definitely Jameis Winston. I'd even roll the dice on Andy Dalton just on, on basis of supporting cast i'm still a little worried and like the rev said it's andy reed offense a lot of check downs to backs and uh to the tight ends so i'm just it, I temper expectations with smith i mean it's, it's good to have a backup <laughs> there you go i'm outnumbered on this one but you know what we'll we'll do a little bit of rewind at the end of the season like we always do and see who comes out with that one now uh, i threw nick Foles out there as a guy you know, has some weapons in St. Louis. Who emerges as his weapons? Is it Tavon Austin? Is it Stedman Bailey? Is it Kenny Britt? Is it Brian Quick? Who knows? But I think there's uh, definitely some ammunition if Foles can prove to stay healthy. I think he's another guy, backup guy, I think you can get with your last pick, dollar in an auction. Uh, and then Teddy, you know, Winston was on my list, like you mentioned, Joe. And I think Teddy football, I mean, that's no secret. I think everybody is expecting a lot out of uh, Teddy football in Minnesota this year. But uh, I don't know. Any guys, let's get let's get off the quarterback topic of conversation. I'll, I'll go uh, one, two. Joe, any quarterbacks you want to discuss before we move on? Uh, I think a guy uh, we may have thrown out there just in passing, but 
uh, Joe Flacco, Ravens. I mean, prettiest deep yeah. balls I've ever seen thrown outside of Cutler. At least he's not going to make the same mistakes as Cutler. But if you look at Jay Cutler, uh, his fantasy owners will tell you about Mark Tressman being in town. I'm just a big believer in coaching and scheme and how many uh, attempts we're going to see from Flacco. Uh, Cutler saw his second highest numbers in passing yards, uh, career high in TDs last season. So uh, Baltimore's got a nice offensive line, a strong running game. There's some new weapons. I'm not nuts about the schedule, but still uh, the numbers in system and style should dictate a lot of passes, uh, at least in, in different areas. Uh, Tressman's proven to be an innovator and it's, it's probably for the best that he's an offensive coordinator and Flacco will reap the benefits. Yeah, it's amazing to me how Joe Flacco has actually become like an afterthought in all of the fantasy football leagues I have participated in. Uh, Rev, your thoughts on Flacco and any other quarterbacks you want to throw out there? Well, I, I'm a big supporter of Joe Flacco. I mean, you take a look at Mark Trustman and look at what he's done with Jay Cutler. I mean, Jay Cutler became a much more accurate passer under Mark Trustman, and he threw for a lot more touchdown passes over the past couple of years, thanks in large part to Mark Trustman. Uh, look what he did with Josh McCown, who was a nobody uh, before he got to Chicago and played under Trustman. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think Trustman could work wonders at Joe Flacco, who I think is a superior quarterback uh, to Mr. Jay Cutler. So um, I'm on board with Flacco. Um, but for my quarterback, so I'm going to put on my scuba gear, and I'm going to go real deep. And I'm going to give you a player who may not be a starter week one, but I think he's going to be starting quite a few games during this upcoming season, and that's Mr. Mark Sanchez. I was never a fan of his uh, when he was with the New York Jets, but uh, look, last year he outplayed Nick Foles, you know, and yeah, he's going to throw some picks with the best of them, uh, but he did average 21 fantasy points per game in the second half of 2014 making him the 10th best quarterback over that period. And, you know, I think that Sam Bradford, as I mentioned before, uh, very injury prone. And this is not just, you know, because he had a bad offensive line in St. Louis. You know, his injury issues go all the way back to college. So uh, mm -hmm. I, I think Mark Sanchez is going to have a chance to start some games in uh, 2015. A couple of the other guys, again, going real deep here. Brian Hoyer, you know, I, I think, look, Hoyer fits the O'Brien system. He played under him in New England. Uh, the, the Texans signed the journeyman to a two-year, $10 million contract. What's significant about that? He's making more money than Ryan Mallett. So I think there's a trust factor there in, in Brian Hoyer. And, you know, the one stat I'll give you um, about Brian Hoyer, when he played in Cleveland last year, he averaged 13.7 yards per completion. That's a league-high number. So, yeah, is he fragile? Uh, you know, did he fade down the stretch last year? Yeah, he did. But I, I think that, you know, if you need him for a few games, uh, especially during the early part of the year, I, I think Brian Hoyer could be a solid, a solid running back. Uh, the other guy I'll give you, and I'm going real deep here, another backup, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, much, mm -hmm. like, Hoyer, much like Hoyer in Houston, this pick is all about fit. Fitz has played some of his best games under Chan Gailey, who now serves as the offensive coordinator with the New York Jets. So, you know, you take a look at his stats in his three years with, uh, with the Gailey, uh, he put up some good numbers there. And, look, the Jets have no obligation to stick with Geno Smith. They have a new regime in there. 
And as soon as Geno Smith has one of those games where he throws four interceptions in one quarter, uh, they're just going to bail on him. They're going to put in Fitzpatrick. And, you know, the thing that I like about Fitzpatrick is he's not a dinker and a dunker. He doesn't have a great arm, but he's got guts. You know, he, he sticks that ball into tight windows. Now, sometimes he's going to get picked off, but there are going to be a lot of times where he's going to make some big plays as well. So look out for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I agree with Fitzpatrick. I think there's a great supporting cast in New York. Uh, it will be Geno Smith's job to lose. He will indeed lose that job. I think uh, you got to get halfway through the season until Fitzpatrick takes over. But if you look at his stats last year, he was uh, rocking and rolling, moving and grooving. Uh, I also agree with Mark Sanchez, who I think is uh, good for the offense. Like Ralph uh, referred to the turnovers, not just interceptions, but a lot of fumbles, butt fumbles. And, you know, the offense is almost too fast for his own good. He does a good job of managing it. But I think sometimes he almost goes too fast, which uh, creates rush decisions and leads to turnovers. Now he's stepping up and taking a leadership role and inviting all of his uh, veteran wideouts, rookie wideouts over to, uh, you know, work out with him in California. Sam Bradford will not be there, but Matt Barkley will. And, you know, I think Sanchez brings a lot of upside. Now, Brian Hoyer, I have my concerns only because I think that team is going to be predicated around running the ball and, and, and defense, defense and killing, killing the clock. Uh, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, I'm just not sure where Hoyer has balls to throw around to. I mean, Cecil Shorts, you know, I love Jalen Strong, but he's a rookie. Uh I have my doubts about Brian Hoyer. I think, um, you know, I, it came down to me between Josh McCown and Brian Hoyer for one of my, uh, you know, uh, QB3 picks. And I went with McCown, but you could flip a coin on that. And, uh, you know, I would love to get Joe's perspective, but we spent so much time on quarterbacks. I do want – there's a lot of receivers to get to. Uh, let's keep it moving and grooving. Joe Everett, Reverend Ralph Mancini, Rick Saratella here. Brought to you by NUC NFL Draft Bible. Check out the new uh, NFLDraftBible.com. If you want to get in a question, uh, the chat room is open, or you could call in. Uh, the number here is cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-c
10th, 11th round running back. I'll take that for the dollar. Uh, maybe it'll be hiked up in a PPR format with other owners uh, being in the know. But still, Bush is coming at such a great value. And uh, once again, I, I, I hate to say it, but it is a bit of an indictment on Carlos Hyde, who I've never been a real big fan of. So uh, we'll see. But once again, it's value, where you can get these guys. Another guy, we just talked about the Jets. I think they're going to be leaning hard on Chris Ivory. I don't care that Ridley's in town. Uh, he's still the starter. Uh, Ivory's yeah. being drafted as the 37th back off the board. Um, I think the Jets have to run the ball, and Ivory's going to be a big part of this offense going forward. And I uh, really liked uh, Ralph's pick of Fitzpatrick. I think that's the guy that really should get in there just based on his decision-making and how well he will run the scheme. Uh, this should be, uh, I think, once again, 37th back off the board. I think that's a steal, and uh Last one, uh, just at the bottom of the vault here, cracking it open, Brandon Oliver Chargers. I know the Melvin Gordon Fan Fest is in fast and fury right now, but there's still a role for Brandon Oliver, a guy who played extremely well uh, towards the end of last year. Gordon's going to be needed to be spelled, and Oliver is what Gordon isn't, a proven pass catcher at the next level. So I think there's uh, definitely a role for Oliver going forward uh, in San Diego. Yeah, that's interesting because I think Danny Woodhead is still in tow as well, and they're both very similar players. And uh, I definitely agree with you on Chris Ivory. I think he is the go-to between the tackles type of guy. But, you know, they do have uh, Ridley and and Bilal Powell, I think, is still there maybe, and uh, uh, somebody else that's that's, – Zach, uh, the kid from uh, the Rams that they traded for, Zach Stacy, and – so, I mean, I could see them kind of, you know, game to game, you know, you'll, you'll get uh, a, a, a safe, you know, bottom line value out of Ivory, but there's going to be weeks where he gives you nothing. But, uh, you know, considering, like Joe said, where you're getting them, I'm, I agree with that. And then, you know, who doesn't like more Bush? I mean, more Bush, <laughs> more beer. I mean, just give us more Bush in 2015 and uh, – you know, what's interesting is a lot of people actually like Mike Davis, Ralph. So I'm curious to hear your perspective on the whole Carlos Hyde, uh, Reggie Bush, and, and Mike Davis from uh, South Carolina in the rotation and San Fran where, you know, I really don't know what to expect from the 49ers offense, but I know not to expect good things. No, I agree with you. I, I would just stay away from that entire offense altogether um, you know, maybe outside of, you know, maybe investing in Anquan Bolden late in the draft. Uh, outside of that, I, I really, I, I wouldn't go near any of these 49ers. Um, you know, I, I do like Reggie Bush and the fact that that team is going to be playing from behind and they're going to be mm. throwing the ball a lot. So I think Reggie Bush uh, in a PPR league, he does have some value. But as far as Carlos Hyde goes, I'm not excited about him just because, again, 49ers are going to be playing from behind. And Carlos Hyde, you know, his major strength isn't catching the ball. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't see a, a lot of great weeks for him up ahead. Uh, I don't think I'm ever going to be excited about starting Carlos Hyde. And, you know, let's face it, he was a great runner at Ohio State, but, you know, he had some big holes to run through back in college. I don't see that with the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, especially, you know, they lost uh, Mike Ayupati on the offensive line. Uh, that, that team has really, really lost a lot, uh, both on offense and defense. And, uh, and when you're playing with a quarterback like uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, it just makes things a whole lot tougher. So, uh, 
Yeah, um, Mike Davis is more of a dynasty pick. Uh, I wouldn't expect anything out of him this year. Um, but uh, overall, I'm not excited about that whole 49ers offense. You know, uh, let me pick your brain about a couple other scenarios, Ralph. And, you know, Joe, I know you have the player ranking uh, situation. I'm curious. I'm going to throw another one out there to Rev. I'm curious to know where LeGarrette Blunt is coming off the board because I want to come back and talk about the New England Patriot backfield. But, uh, you know, the one guy, Ralph, that I touted last show was Michael Dyer, an undrafted running back who I think can make some hay a la Isaiah Kroll a season ago. But you're hearing a lot of positive reports about Trent Richardson. I was never a big fan of Latavius Murray. I think he's a concussion waiting to happen. And just I don't think he's a every down NFL running back. What's your take on Trent Richardson, Michael Dyer, and Latavius Murray? And another offense where, you know, I, I really think Amari Cooper, a rookie, is the most valuable fantasy football play here. Outside of that, I don't know what to expect from this offense either in the Bay. Well, you know, I'll tell you, Latavius Murray is a supremely talented running back. The problem with him is he's six foot three. He's got that tall running style that's going to leave him open to a lot of hits. So I really don't see him playing 16 games, and he's going to need some help. He's going to need some help because, you know, he is so prone to getting injured. Now, you brought up Trent Richardson. Uh, you know, I think we know what Trent Richardson is at this point. So I wouldn't be expecting much out of him either. Um, the one guy I like as, as a deep sleeper uh, in that backfield is Roy Hallou, uh, the former Washington mm. Redskin. I wow. think he's going to play an important role in that offense, uh, especially as an explosive pass-catching running back. I mean, he's very shorthanded. He caught 42 or 47 passes thrown his way. Ten of those resulted in gains of 20 yards or more. And he is a much more fluid runner than a Trent Richardson. So I, I, I kind of like Roy Hallou as a deep sleeper in that offense. I still like Latavius Murray. I just don't think he's going to be healthy for the entire season. So, you know, if you pick up Roy Hallou as, as a handcuff uh, or uh, even, again, in a PPR league, I think you could start him some weeks. And you're, and you're going to be able to get him maybe somewhere in the 12th, 14th, 15th round. So you're not yeah. really investing much in him. Very interesting. Good name to know. That's what we do here on the Fantasy Football Insider Show. Reverend Ralph Mancini, Joe Everett, Rick Saratella here. You right there. And that brings up a good point because Roy Hallou's departure in Washington creates a bigger role for Silas Red. Now, that's not a guy I'm telling you to go out and get, but definitely a situation worth monitoring if Alfred Morris goes down. All of a sudden, Matt Jones and Silas Red are splitting reps. Uh, Joe, I want to come back to you with the Patriots situation because LeGarrette Blunt seems to be an afterthought in fantasy football drafts. I think he could have a bust out year. I'm not a big believer. I know they used a fourth-round pick on James White a year ago, and I'm not a big believer in him. So I think Blunt could have a big breakout year. And I think Travaris Cadet, if you listen to this show, oh, I don't know, about five years ago, Rev, I was all, all about Travaris Cadet. I think now – uh, the time might have come where he could catch 40 balls coming out of that backfield. And uh, curious to get your guys' thought on that. We'll start off with Joe. Uh, what do you got for it? Anything with the ranking on uh, LeGarrette Blunt and your thoughts on the value with that? Well, he's actually the 26th back off the board okay. right now. It's 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 coming at the price of a fifth-round pick, uh, but he's going ahead of some backs like 
Amir Abdullah, Tevin Coleman we've talked about, but I don't see a lot of guys uh, outside of it that, you know, I think that's it's, it's a cutoff there. Where LeGarrette right. Blunt falls, there's not a lot of guys that have established roles, so he seems to be worth the pick. It's just, it still is coming at a bit of a cost. Um, and how much do you trust Bill Belichick is the real question. Right. As far as his backups and how this feels, I've still got a lot of belief in James White. Sweet feet, James White. I uh, really liked him coming out of Wisconsin. I think they got a great value as a, out of fourth rounder. I think, you know, we haven't even seen anything out of him. So the, the best is yet to come from him. And Jonas Gray's not dead, even though he's been in the doghouse. Uh, <laughs> They haven't cut him, so this is the guy who, what, four touchdowns against Indianapolis he broke out for. Uh, very crowded behind the Garrett Blunt, but I'd say if, if, if any of those backups I'd like to invest in, uh, it's still James White. Got uh, faith in the talent. Yeah, you know, they, they won the Super Bowl last year. I don't think anybody rushed for over 400 yards off the top of my head. I don't know if that's accurate. I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, any other running backs, fellas, before we move on uh, to wide receivers? Any other running backs you guys want to get off your chest? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you one other guy. And, uh, by the way, I, I'm also a James White fan as well. Uh, but the, the other guy I'll bring up is David Johnson from the Arizona Cardinals. And, and this pick is more about Andre Ellington than it is about Johnson. You know, the Cards took the big back out of northern Iowa for a reason. Uh, they plan on using him a lot. Is Ellington is not built to take on a feature role. I mean, you, mm. you take a look at what they did with him last year. Uh, they kind of doubled his workload, and he only averaged 3.3 yards per carry. So I, I think David Johnson is going to get an opportunity uh, to get a lot of carries, and most importantly, to get some goal line carries. He's not only much bigger than Ellington, but he's bigger than any other running back that they have on that roster. So, you know, you want to give me Kerwin Williams, you want to give me Stephon Taylor, I'll, I'll give you David Johnson. I think he's going to get some opportunities. He does catch the ball very well out of the backfield. So, you know, if you take him with a, let's say, 11th or 12th round pick, uh, I think this is a um, low-risk, high-reward type of selection. Yeah, definitely good value for uh, Dynasty and Keeper Leagues as well. Uh, Joe, you got anything, or can we uh, move on to wideouts? Better get to the wideouts. Let's get it in. And just so you guys know, another reminder here, we've got about 18 minutes left of programming, uh, about three minutes left on the live show. So if you do get cut off from the live feed, it'll be about 15 minutes or so archived uh, that you can come back on the blogtalkradio.com or nucsports.com. So if you do get cut off, no worries. Just catch us on the archive. Look out for us on allaccess.tv, our new 24-7, 365 uh, football streaming channel, and uh, that's just how we're going to do it here. Now, wide receivers, there's a lot of guys to get to, a lot of guys I want to dig into and cover now. Since uh, the Reverend Ralph Mancini wasn't here for the last show, uh, me and Joe had at it. If you didn't catch the first show, you could go back listen to the Deep Sleepers Part 1. This is Deep Sleepers Part 2, and uh, I hope you're a scuba diver, like to go deep sea fishing. That's what we do here. And it is the summertime. So let's get into it, Rev. Who do you got for us? Wide receivers. Hit him with the hoo-ha. Well, you know, one guy who I, I kind of like this year is Pierre Garçon from the Redskins. I don't like his quarterback situation, but his value is at an all-time low. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're reading reports on up Garçon this year in the offseason, Jay Gruden has reportedly claimed 
that he intends to feature Garcon more uh, than he had last season. He's moving him to the Z position, which tends to be heavily targeted in Jay Gruden's offensive system. So look, he might not catch 113 balls as he did in 2013, but I think he's going to catch more than 68 passes that he caught in 2014. So if you split the difference, you know, he could probably, if he has a good year, a bounce-back season, I could see him getting 90 receptions and at about 12 yards per catch, that's going to be about 1,080 yards. And if you have that from your fourth or fifth wide receiver, I think you're doing pretty well. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at Pierre Garçon as a bounce-back type of guy that you can get real cheap in a lot of drafts. Um, another wide receiver I like as a sleeper is Eddie Royal. Now, as, as you know, uh, he's with the Chicago Bears right now. He's a polished wide receiver, and he's a master at adjusting his routes by coming back to the quarterback, finding those soft areas and zone coverage. And over the past two years, Royal has caught 109 passes for 15 touchdowns. He's caught 69% of his targets over that two-year stretch. And look, if you look at the Bears outside of Alshon Jeffrey, Cutler doesn't really have a wealth of reliable wide receivers. I know Kevin White's got the huge upside, but he's going to be learning on the job. Marquise Wilson, uh, you know, he's he's kind of slow. He um, he doesn't he hasn't shown any big playability just yet. I think Eddie Royal is going to be a PPR stud. Um, I'll give you one kind of like obvious sleeper, Devontae Adams. I really don't have to talk about him a lot. I think a lot of people are on him already. Um, the other player that I like is a, a rookie, Brashad Perriman, uh, from the Baltimore Ravens. You know, one knock on the rookie is that he drops too many balls. But yet, mm-hmm. Joe Flacco disagrees. After working out with him in OTAs, Jersey Joe sounded very excited about Brashad Perriman. Uh, he mentioned how Perriman snatched balls out of midair. And, you know, Flacco does a good job working well with deep threats. Look at what he did with Torrey Smith. And the thing with Rashad Perriman is not only is he bigger than Torrey Smith, I think he's actually faster than Torrey Smith. Let's not forget Rashad Perriman ran a 4-2-4, 40 at his pro day. So I think he can can end up being a go-to guy in the red zone for Joe Flacco uh, because, you know, uh, I think, you know, Steve Smith is on the decline. And I think, you know, by the end of the season, Perriman could be a guy who could end up with you know, I want to be conservative here, maybe, you know, between eight and nine touchdowns by the end of the year. So I'm on board with the Pierre Garcon. I think you're right on the money with that. Also, his knee was not fully healthy the past couple of seasons, which I think that has a long ways gone. But I got him as a wide receiver seven in one league, which I thought was great value. Uh, I'm not going to touch Eddie Royal, but I agree with everything you said, Ralph, only because I think Kevin White is going to play a huge, huge role in Chicago alongside Alshon Jeffrey. I think Marty B had about a 1,000 yards receiving, so I'm not so sure. You know, there's probably some cleanup work for Eddie Royal there, but I feel like I can get a guy like that off the waiver wire anywhere. Um, but, you know, good good late-round value. I'm not questioning that. The one I am questioning is Brent Perryman, and, you know, I love my boy Jersey Joe Flacco. I love my boy Mark Tressman, but, uh, you know, everybody looks real good in gym shorts running around there uh, playing against thin ear. Now, uh, I got I to gotta question you on this one because I know last podcast, Joe and myself both kind of like what uh, – well, I like what Marlon Brown brings to the table. I think Joe had his questions about 
whether or not Perryman would would you know assume the position and ease into that uh, you know starting wide receiver role right away. Uh, for those fantasy football insiders out there listening, Ralph, are you advising to draft Brent Perryman over Marlon Brown? Over Marlon Brown, over Marlon Brown with the Ravens. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I would. I, I mean, look, Brown. He he's shown some flashes, but I don't think he's a complete receiver. He's a bigger receiver. Uh, he he is kind of a red zone target, but he hasn't really he hasn't really done much over the uh, at least last year. He really didn't do much. So I think they drafted Perriman to be a, a go-to guy, and you know he may even if he Perriman gets off to a slow start. I think that he's going to develop into that player that, you know, and just reading those reports about Joe Flacco being excited about uh, Perriman, you know, I don't think Joe Flacco is the type of guy to, you know, just like throw bouquets at people and, you know, just throw some <laughs> empty words out there. And and the thing is, is that even, even if Brown ends up being a productive receiver, I mean, they're going to need guys on that team. I mean, who else do they have? I mean, Steve Smith, yeah, I mean, he can have some good games here and there, but he's going to fade at one point, and we saw that last season. So I think Perriman, you know, by the end of the year, I think he's going to be a very, very important player in that offense. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, the Ravens are stacked and ready to make a Super Bowl run, so I think, you know, the second half of the season, Brichard Perryman uh, for your fantasy football playoff stretch, I think it can be a key cog, big-time contributor it's just a matter of do you have that roster spot to stash him because that's what you're going to have to do. Oh, yeah. To, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about him as a deep sleeper. I would say no, you know, pick him up as, as your fifth or sixth receiver you know, and, and just leave him there until you really need him late in the season. Of course. No, I think it's the ultimate uh, boom or bust type of risk where you know, for this season anyway, I'm not talking about his career. I just think that you roll the dice with Perryman, like Ralph said, you take him late in the draft. You stash them on your bench, and you know maybe it pays huge dividends. Maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, you just get rid of them and pick up a guy like uh, Joe Everett is about to hit us with. What do you got for us, Joe? First off, before you get into your deep sleepers, any thoughts on what the good Reverend Ralph Mancini had to say about his whiteouts? Uh, as usual, I love it because I'm looking at my notes and my top sleeper for today, Pierre Garcon. 44th wide receiver off the board. Uh, I love it. Yeah. The price of a 10th round pick, that's terrific value. Um, my other guy, I think we may have touched on in passing last week, Terrence Williams, Cowboys. I mean, I'm not saying that Des Bryant's going to fall off, but I hate these, you know, odd off seasons where it's, I know he just got paid. He got his money. We'll see exactly how well he pays. I think Terrence Williams, who's searching for this second contract right now, and uh, all the reports this offseason are he's in tremendous shape. He's uh, expanded his route arsenal is what I've read. So I'm loving what I'm hearing out of Williams, and I'm loving where you can get him in drafts. Uh, another guy, I'm just, where's perception? Where's reality? I'll tell you where Marquez Colston is. Jimmy Graham's gone, and he is Mr. Red Zone. And you look at the last six games for the Saints, he did catch four touchdowns. He was hot the second half of the year, and I think without Graham, they need that big presence. I know uh, Cooks is going to be Mr. Possession and all this and that, but there is still a clear and defined role for Colston, who 
I once again, where he's going in drafts, he's going after guys like Fitzgerald, uh, Torrey Smith's going before him. Terrence Williams is going before Marquez Colston. So mm. uh, I think in the another guy, 11th round area, that's just you're getting good value. And uh, just at the bottom of the vault, uh, Chris Matthews, Seahawks, the star of the Super Bowl. Uh, I think he's still on the team. I know Lockett's in tow. You got... Paul Richardson back there, and Baldwin's still on the roster. And, yes, they did get a new tight end. I know it's a big newsworthy thing. But Matthews, that kid from Kentucky, I don't think that's a fluke, what he was able to do in the postseason. So, you know, this guy may be Mr. Irrelevant type of pick in a very deep league. Don't forget about Chris Matthews. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Colston, yeah, you make good points there. He's kind of like the forgotten man. Uh, Terrence Williams, one of these uh, Oregon burners. I think Josh Huff is another guy in Philly who could bust out in a big way. But, yeah, let's talk about the Seattle situation because that was one of my, you know, notes here, Ralph, to question you guys about. And, you know, Joe just said he likes the Chris Matthews kid. He obviously did that in the CFL. uh, So there's a body of work there. And uh, I don't care what anybody says, the kid is talented. My question is after Doug Baldwin – is it Jermaine Curse? Is it Ricardo Lockett? I don't know if I buy too much into the Paul Richardson stock, but is there any uh, fantasy value at the wide receiver position on the Seahawks, in your opinion, Ralph, after Doug Baldwin? Is it Matthews? Is it Curse, Lockett, Richardson, or somebody we don't know about? You know, quite honestly, with that team, it could be anybody from week to week. You know, uh, Matthews is, is a guy who's a big-time talent. We, we'll see if that carries over into the regular season. Um, Lockett is a, a guy that I liked uh, in college, and, and I think he will be a, a good player at, at some point. But again, with, with the Seattle Seahawks, it's like, you know, what can you bank on from week to week? It's, it's really unpredictable. And so, you know, maybe Baldwin is, is somebody that I would take as my last receiver. But, uh, you know, outside of Marshawn Lynch, Russell Wilson and Jimmy Graham, I, don't, I really don't see anybody in that offense that you can rely on from week to week. Yeah, maybe if there's an injury and it creates someone to step up uh, in their role or targets and has added value, I think that's a, a situation you monitor during the season. The funny thing or the interesting thing about entering this 2000 football uh, calendar year, you know, I, I, I've been on the record to say that we're going to watch the uh, slow, crucial death of Peyton Manning this year. And I'm just so scared of everybody in that Denver offense. I mean, I would not touch Peyton Manning. I would not touch any of their running backs. And, of course, Demarius Thomas is one of the best in the business. I see a decrease in production out of him. And I look at the depth chart, and I I, I, I see – Andre Caldwell listed as a starter. Um, you know, big big things expected out of Cody Latimer, who I was very high on coming out of Indiana, Joe. But uh, I don't know what to expect outside of Demarius Thomas, even at the tight end position. I mean, who's it going to be? Virgil Green, Owen Dings. What is going on in Denver? Who is the number two wide receiver? And what can we even bank on coming out of Denver this year? 
I, I normally would argue, as I'm a huge Broncos fan, Rick, but the biggest concern I have is Ryan Clady being on IR. I mean, Ty Sambrillo is slated to start oh a rookie. Wow. Uh, Vasquez, Clark, Greg Kowski, the center. This is I, I'm not seeing a nice mix, and I know we're getting that zone block and run scheme back because uh, Rick Tennyson's the O coordinator under Coops. It's like we got the band back together, except we don't have a bass player, we don't have a drummer. I mean, it's it's really it's a scary situation for Peyton in his uh, latter years here. I, I I still think they fully intend to give the ball to C.A.J. Anderson. And, uh, but, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, though, I still think his stock's kind of high just because you right. need that possession guy. You need your underneath. He's so involved. And we're the worst to happen, an Osweiler or Dice or whoever gets in there, uh, they'd still find a way to get to Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, without a doubt. And that, that's a good point. I forgot about Emmanuel Sanders in the mix. So, yeah, you know, some weapons there. But, man, I, I, I it's hard for me to get excited about this offense this year now. I do want to get some tight ends real quick. Some rookies I don't think we mentioned last show. I'm not saying for this year, maybe maybe in the latter part of the year, but for Dynasty and Keeper Leagues, a lot of good reports about Justin Hardy out of Atlanta. And I think Kenny Bell could play a pretty big role in Tampa Bay uh, in that slot type of uh, you know role with, with Evans and, and V-Jax. I think Kenny Bell is a guy that Winston could look to. Um, you know, and, and Ruben Randall is a guy who I'm not a big fan of his talent, but, you know, just talking to Victor Cruz and, and watching him, uh, I don't think you're going to get much out of him. So Ruben Randall, I think, is a beneficiary by default, and as well as Brian Hartline, because, you know, we mentioned Dwayne Bow, not a big fan there. I don't know who Cleveland really has to throw to. Uh, so Hartline uh, and, and Cleveland is a guy, I'm not really endorsing him, but you know, hey, he could give you something. And uh, Terrence Williams, going back on him real quick, he averaged almost 20 yards a catch. I think he had like 47 receptions and just under 1,000 yards. So uh, big play, talent there. Uh, and and uh, that pretty much wraps up the wide receivers. We got about three minutes. So what I'm going to do is give each of you about 30 seconds to give me uh, one deep sleeper tight end, and then we'll just put a wrap to this bad boy and do it like that. So, uh, Rev, hit us with a deep sleeper tight end. Well, you want to go deep, I'll give you one deep guy, Niles Paul from the Washington Redskins. Not a question of if, but when Jordan Reed goes down with another head injury, Paul is a big play tight end, averaged over 13 yards per catch. I think that once he gets his opportunity, Niles Paul is going to be very, very impressive. And I agree with that. Former wide receiver had a couple big games last year when Reed went down. What do you got for us, Joe? Tight end, deep sleeper. I'll go Jason Morrow. Uh, he's going to get in his Camaro and take off. Uh, but once we talked about Fitzgerald being a capable passer, finding open receivers, uh, this guy is basically a, a faux tight end. He's more receiver than blocker, and they're going to have routes run for him. I, they've spent the pick on this guy. He's going to get the targets hopefully he's cured of the drops but where you can get him uh, this is your backup tight end who knows the he could actually turn into that ppr uh, difference maker that's interesting because you know i watch the jets and i i wonder and i know ralph you got your finger on the pulse real quick 10 seconds you like cumberland or you like amaro better no, I like Amaro better. I think he's got the better upside. I think the guy's a good route runner. He's just got to hang on to those easy balls. He can't drop those easy passes. 
Yeah, and you know, uh, that's going to be the go-to, whether it's Geno Smith, Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's going to be the go-to underneath target that those co quarterbacks are looking for. So maybe a handful of touchdowns from that Jets tight end position, but you've been listening to the Fantasy Football Insiders crew along with uh, Joe Everett, never leaving a stone unturned. The good Reverend Ralph Mancini always preaching from the pages of the good gospel here at the new NFL Draft Bible.com. I was your host, Rick Saratella. We'll be airing soon on allaccessfootball.tv. If you're interested, if you're a producer, host of a podcast looking to get on board with our 24-7, 365 football network, email me, ric at nfldraftbible.com. Don't forget about the nucgold.com promo. Use it, ric2015. Get to 20% discount. That was another show. Follow us on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible for our next podcast. Till the next time, everybody.